When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim O'Malley and Tim Priester. Where do you guys want to start today? Position changes? Position <laughs> changes, maybe a different rotation on the defensive line, or a different defensive the challenger facing Syracuse this yeah. weekend. We'll get uh, to that. So Brian Van Gorder out. As everyone listening to this podcast already knows, Notre Dame has a new defensive coordinator. His name's Greg Hudson, former Notre Dame reserve linebacker. Um which I think is maybe notable a little bit, but ultimately, Brian Van Gorder, 30 games here, record-setting in a, in a negative way, defensive statistics all across the board. Um, I mean, really, you could it's an all-you-can-eat statistical buffet when you look at Brian Van Gorder's defense and how you want to pick it apart. I think we all have our favorites. For me, it was the 60-yard plays allowed this year, five, a national worst. Under Bob Diaco, they allowed four in four years of that distance. Um, So if you want to know why Notre Dame has a new defensive coordinator, to me, big plays are the ultimate indictment of a fundamentally unsound defense, and that's what Notre Dame was playing. Well, it's... It's addition by subtraction that that's your benefit, and and, and the positive is that long term he's not going to be around to continue to pollute your defense because it wasn't ever going to get better. It, it, it that was to me that was really obvious right. after the right. Texas game. And Pete, you talk about big plays. They went and found, you know, the last fifteen games they've given up sixteen touchdown quote drives of three plays or less. I mean, just you know, we were talking Tim about sudden change, but. You know, this includes 83-yard run by UMass running back, and and on and on. I mean, you can get, we could continue to dig for stats. We have to we have to have a demarcation now with stats, and and pick up with Greg Hudson. Although, let's be fair and let's be realistic here, Greg Hudson is not going to make a huge difference initially, especially when you have to play the Syracuse offense this weekend. It's no, but he. I, I think the change being made. Certainly helps more than if it wasn't made in this situation. But I do go back to the Texas game. We asked Brian Kelly about it. Did you think about this after Texas? There's so many convoluted answers to when Brian Kelly thought about this. I'm not even sure Brian Kelly made the move, to be honest with you. We won't know that. And I would like to yeah. find out. Well, we yeah. can. We should talk about that a little bit because people have you know asked about Swarbrick's involvement. I would hope that Swarbrick had involvement in it. He is the athletic director. He's the greatest athletic administrator in Notre Dame history, and I think it's a positive if he did have involvement in it. I guess it depends on what you define as involvement. Well, is I, it they counseled that Brian Kelly said, what do, what do you it? think? Yeah. Or Because if, if Jack Swarbrick forced the move, to me that's something else entirely. If Jack yeah. Swarbrick forced the move, the clock is ticking on Brian Kelly's time left yeah. in Notre Dame. Yeah, and I wrote about that um, post-game before the firing. I'm not advocating they fire Brian Kelly after this year at all. I'm just telling, and I, it's not even my opinion that Brian Kelly should be gone in two or three years or whatever. I'm telling you, from watching this program my whole life, 
The Duke game for Brian Kelly is the beginning of the end. It's the same thing for Lou Holtz in 1994, and he lasted two more years and had one really good year when they lost to Air Force, and it has nothing to do with losing to Air Force. Well, it has something to do with losing to Air Force, but not only on the field. Brian Kelly, just like every other coach that eventually gets replaced at Notre Dame, at some point loses the full backing of the alumni and the student body. And when the latter is involved... That really hurts the situation for Notre Dame's program. I, I think it's mitigated a little bit, at oh, least short term, sure because is. of the firing I, I, of Van Gorder. I, I think he'll come back and have a good year next year. It's, I, I'm writing about it today. The, the the pattern of Brian Kelly's career at Notre Dame, the up and down pattern. I think Brian Kelly will write the ship a little bit here. And I'm not saying that they should do it. I'm just saying this is what is going to happen. It's yeah. not my opinion. No, it should happen. It, it's kind of like Sebastian and Tranquil. Going back to yeah. that one. You're not saying you want it to happen. I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm saying that's what I think. And sometimes people have to kind of go back to we're paid to give what we think is our opinion, not just what we want to see happen, obviously. <laughs> not everybody in our industry does that. No, I mean, yeah, that's true. And Look, I, I think that the, it would have been, Norton would have been better off if they made the move. Credit to Tim and to fans. <laughs> if this move would have been made versus Texas, it would have been gutsier and crazier and out there, but Norton would not be one and three. They'd probably be two and two. Right, you'd be in a better situation now. If Notre Dame yeah. would have made the move in January, they'd be three and they'd one. They'd be three and one. So look, if he didn't make the move this week and we were sitting here next week, they'd probably be one and four. So now we can mitigate trying to go one and four. And that's you know, it, it, it is it too late? It depends on what your what, what your definition of too late is. I think for a lot of Notre Dame fans it's too late, but this rates the ship and they win seven out of nine games, that's and then you, it was a really good move. I don't know that I, I meant it's a good move no matter I'm what playing I guess, with words yeah. here. I don't know that it writes the ship, but it prevents it from sinking at least Yes, and here's the here's what I thought of today, and it, it makes it kind of more painful to look at what Notre Dame has on tap. With so they have Syracuse at NC State, Stanford by week in Miami. That's four games. They're one and three. <laughs> to get to five hundred after that point in Miami after the end of October, are they going to win three of their next four games? Uh, that is Na- to- Navy, Army, and Virginia Tech. No, I'm saying, will no, they win the three of the next four? four. Oh, they're one and three. No. Can they get to no, four and four going into November? Yeah, um, they're in a, they're in a great state of peril, and like pretty much every Notre Dame coach is given one mulligan season. This is definitely it for Brian Kelly because um, a- after that, you're just permanently on the hot seat until you have yeah. another one, and then you're out. And that's, that was the point of my column. That this yeah, that's the, how that's how it works here. I think you, you can. I mean, I think you have a chance to win every time you play because you have an offense that has a chance to score forty every right, game. Right. So I mean, that that's the one thing that you know that you do have in your pocket. Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, let's face it. He didn't. He didn't play. He played one of his worst games. But again, our expectations are are so great for him. I, to me, the kid looked like he had just gone through a twelve round bout yeah. by the end of that game. And you know that it, you know what reminded me that that heave pass at the end, which really, I mean that led to the game winning field goal. Then it reminded me of Tommy Reese's last last pass in Notre Dame uniform, it's where it was just like right where it was just it's like really yeah, <laughs> no, but I mean where yeah. it was just like I'm going to throw this pass. And thank <coughs> God it's going to be over after this. And I'm not saying that that's what Kaiser's mindset was, but it, I mean, why would he throw that pass? That's yeah. that's not like Deshaun Kaiser, and it was just almost like exasperation. I'm just going to heave it and get this thing over with. Look, it was not Deshaun Kaiser's best game, but for Brian Kelly, and I understand he just wants everyone to be on the same level, which is starting over right now. That's why he said that about Deshaun Kaiser, yeah. and he's definitely deflecting praise of Kaiser, starting with Pete's question last week post game about Kaiser carrying the team. If he just would have said, 
he doesn't want to hear Deshaun Kaiser's carrying his team, even though Deshaun Kaiser's carrying his team. Yeah. So, <laughs> look, Deshaun Kaiser in this losing streak, 21 touchdowns and six turnovers produced in the five-game losing streak to Power 5 teams. So it is not Deshaun Kaiser's fault. If people want to say, why is Kaiser getting a pass? Don't give him a pass. That's fine. He's the best player on the team over a span of five that, that is, remains on the team over a five-game losing streak. Yeah, I mean, he's part of the solution. Yeah. Um, If you want to say he's not the entire solution, that's fine. Because he can't cover kickoffs um, or play safety. Notre Dame has some big issues there. And I I do think that's one of the issues with the Van Gorder firing that people don't want to accept or acknowledge. Is like, look, Notre Dame's just not that talented on defense. And it's a lot easier to sit there and say, let's change coaches. That's going to solve it. That's, that's something you can do right away. It is a hell of a lot harder to say, your talent isn't any good. Because that takes two or three years to fix. And people don't want to acknowledge that. And I get that. Because it's not any fun to sit there and say, Notre Dame is two years away from playing good defense again because they don't have the horses. I mean, I'm going to write about this week, and I've gone through this over the last couple of days, just to look at Notre Dame's recruiting at safety and defensive line over the last few years. <laughs> it's abysmal. Not just who they got, but who they missed on. It's not like they're identifying great guys and missing on them. They're not identifying enough good players at all. Um, So when you look at their misses and you see transfer, transfer, flunk out, thrown off team, backup, 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 which is all that you see really at safety uh, and defensive line to a lesser extent, to me, it's not only a recruiting issue in terms of accumulating talent, it's a recruiting issue in terms of identifying talent. Now, I do think that has changed a lot in the last 12 months with Mike Elston as a recruiting coordinator, but it goes back to one of the, the shortcomings of Brian Van Gorder in the first place. He couldn't recruit. He didn't recruit. And on top of that, he didn't identify talent. So what there, that has set your program back in ways that firing him is not going to solve. But their talent, you would agree, is better than 36 to Michigan State, who has proven not to be a 36-point team on the road, 38 to Duke, and 50 to Texas, right? right. Uh, not along the defensive line and its safety. Yeah, I mean, we, their, their safety play, I said 6-6 six and six last week. Tim was like, no, they're more like 3-9. and nine. Tim's right. Their safety play is that bad. Um, so, I mean, are they are, do they have more defensive talent than Duke? I guess just man-to-man probably, but... Not by a lot. Not by a lot. You could go back to our first, whenever, podcast. When we first started talking upon the conclusion of last year, when we first started talking about this team this year, we knew the defensive line. You knew that Jerron Jones and Jerry Tillery weren't tough enough and consistent enough to give you what you needed between the ends. Andrew Trombetti is starting at defensive end for this team. They are not good enough. They are not. They aren't even close to being tough enough on the defensive line to be consistent. Love their linebackers. Think that their corners are going to be fine over time. Love what's going on with the recruiting on the defensive line coming in next year's class. They aren't good enough. They aren't tough enough to stop these teams. Just to go, I I, kind of want to go, I don't know, I think think there's more talent on the defensive line. I think utilization could be an issue here. What if I told you that Isaac Rochelle, Daniel Cage... Jerry Tillery and Jay Hayes will start the rest of the year. Jonathan Bonner will be a backup where he can best be used. So let's leave that to football coaches instead of us. And if Jerron Jones is one of the guys left by the wayside because he doesn't want to play hard, then Jerron Jones is left by the wayside. If Jerron Jones all of a sudden 
can give more effort all the time, then he's part of the rotation as well. Would you th- and Dalen Hayes and Andrew Trimbetti are package rush ends. Would you say that's enough defensive line help to play the season out? Enough no. talent? No? no. Okay. I- I mean, you could finish the season. How do you, no, 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 technically, they're going to have games played. But yeah, my team is on the field. Yeah. How, how does it? How does it? Where did Duke run the football? They ran the football between the tackles all day. Do you know what Notre Dame's starting defensive tackle did statistically? I know. And you look, told me. I, re- I look. It, it's childish and it's amateurish to measure a, a defensive lineman's productivity based upon tackles. We all understand that. But when Duke runs between the tackles 40 times and your starting defensive tackle has one assisted stop. The big one. You're not, I, I mean, you're not making, but do you th- did you see, I, I, I mean, I thought Daniel Cage regressed in this game. And last what? game, actually. He, he was strange. He had really two good first games. And then, and you're not even talking but, about Daniel Cage that, right But now. that's why, that's why I say, right. that, that's yeah. why the answer is an emphatic no, Tim, to your question is because they don't have enough players that answer the bell every week. And I think that's okay. Like, in the sense of Daniel Cage, you can't expect him to give you Michigan State and Nevada every single week. Um, I thought he played well against Texas. So he played well in three or four games. That's okay. Um, that's that's a decent performance. But, but, a, when junior, that, but that, a junior that's been playing since his first three, year? Three or four games? That's fine. The problem is... You don't have anybody else to put well, in. I realize that. That's the problem. Re- well, yeah. So to me, the problem isn't Daniel Cage. It's that the fact that you don't have another Daniel Cage and another Daniel Cage that you can play. Look, we're all we're all we're we're focusing. We're each picking a spot and focusing on it, and we all we understand that a they're not talented enough. B they were coordinated terribly, and they they didn't even come close to maximizing the talent that they do. have. I just feel like the last two things you said there are more so than the talent. <coughs> I feel like, but look, so look. It's all of these things. It That's is, why I but like they started the season with 10 guys that were either four stars or five stars on the defense, and they were recruited by Notre Dame. So the Notre Dame staff liked them, and Scout liked them, and I'm sure it wasn't that much different on other sites. And now I realize the backups were nowhere near that. We didn't have a bunch of backup four stars up front, they didn't have, but it seems like, I do feel like we're re- rewriting the script a little bit. Now, they lost a great, potentially great corner in Sean Crawford, and we cannot overstate not that it matters what we think from August, but we cannot overstate how good Sean Crawford is. We were so right about Sean We were so Crawford. right about Sean Crawford and Dexter Williams only. They lost a really good player there. They lost a better safety than they have in there now when they dismissed Max Redfield. But I, I still think there was talent, enough talent to not be three in, or one in three. Yes. No, I, I'm with you on yeah, that. Right. No, we, they're not losing to Clemson. Like, I talked to a former player from last year's defense. And he, I mean, this was before Van Gorder got fired. And I told him Van Gorder got fired yesterday. He was completely shocked. But he said, Pete, guy, people do not understand this defense is just not nearly as talented as you all think that it is. They just don't have enough players on the defensive line in particular. And it's safety. And no matter what you do schematically, you cannot hide that. You cannot hide a substandard defensive line. And you cannot hide... Or safety play. I, I agree with that, but you what you can't be better fundamentally. I mean, this team is so far away fundamentally <clears throat> that just a, yeah. a, a fundamentally sound defense would make more plays. Again, we're we're all yeah. talking about the same yeah. things. Yeah. It's not, and it's not. A, a, a lot of fans always want. Well, why did this happen? Give me one reason. There isn't one reason. There are ten. There's really it all at least contributes. That on this defense. Yeah. It it all contributes to it. So we're all. I mean, we're. 
I'm getting I'm all worked argue, up. I'm here. not arguing the defense <laughs> is good at all. I mean, when I'm arguing from the talent level, we were sitting in the press box and Notre Dame went ahead, and someone said, "Well, at least they're not going to lose this game." That was and, me. And I said, "Are <laughs> that you was me. kidding? Duke's going to score <laughs> because you knew Duke would score. You knew it too." <laughs> but like, no, you meant the offense will now yeah, take over the game yeah. because they're ahead. But, but see, and that's there's the nothing thing. been more clear the than offense, Duke scoring. Now the offense is not. Year. I mean, we could, we we lauded. Uh, Kaiser last year for the the game winning drives yes. that he led, and keep in mind those game winning drives late. had Will Fuller, Rodney Stanley, Nick Martin, LZ Jones, Chris Brown, CJ Prosize. <laughs> yeah, that that helps too. Um, Your line about Notre Dame players ran or haphazardly running onto the field. Defensively, after the halftime break, costing them a timeout was one of the best. That is a microcosm of the coaching staff right now that they had to use. Look, credit to Brian Driscoll, who was next to us for noticing the second thing. Pete says they have 12 players on the field. It's, they're going to have to call timeout. It's the fourth play of the half. And then they go to punt one step later. They were a minute 35 and, into the and third next quarter. To, next to Tim, we hear now they have 10 guys on the field. So, <laughs> in a two step span. After the break, when you've talked to your team about attention to detail all week, and you're losing to Duke, you have those two errors. Yeah. It was it, amazing. Eon Kelly's t- talking about having to reiterate to the players, speed team, <laughs> you're on the you're on the speed team. Oh, we're in this. You're on that oh, team. That punt return. Sorry. But that but but <laughs> no, but wait a minute. That that's that's communication. It starts <coughs> obviously it starts with the head coach, but specifically here, it starts with the defense coordinator. Could the communication, could the lines of communication between coordinator and player have been any worse than they were with Brian Van Gorder? Yeah, I mean they could they could have been worse, but they were just so abysmal anyway. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. Like if, if you want to compare the communication between John Tenuta's defense <laughs> and Brian Van Gorder's defense or Corwin Brown, like. But I will say fine. that. But I will say this about Tenuta: as big of a jackass as he is, <laughs> his players, his players. I don't know. I don't necessarily want to say love, but they did. Re, they did respect him by and large. Did his co-coordinator his, fo- <laughs> his football knowledge, his football yeah. knowledge and ability, and, and honestly, ability to teach. I it. think people completely miss the fact that there are a lot of players on this team defensively that like Brian Van Gorder. James Onowalu really likes Brian Van Gorder. Well, yeah, because he ha- he because he. <clears throat> So, but but why because did the, he, why why did those players also like John Tenuta that that we're talking about because they played? Yeah, right. I, that's yeah, what, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, so, he he anointed James Anawalu the yeah. moment he came over to the defensive side. James Anawalu is playing good football for the most part, so it's it is a. I just think that the notion that you're you're removing something from the defense and everything is going to get better, if you're if you're a fan and you feel that way, it's not true. Um, that's that's really the point we're trying to make. It's um, not. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely not true. Every, it's not. That's not going to happen. Every rebuilding job starts with a, dem- a demolition, so that's what happened on Sunday. Now you got to start with a rebuilding job, and that's difficult to do. And you you go into it with Greg Hudson. I mean, Tim, I. I don't know how familiar you were with him a, what, a, when he was on little, the roster. He, yeah, but. a little, because he, he was not a prominent player. And if I told you I remember having a conversation with him as a young reporter, I, I do, I, I'd be lying, because I, I don't. I don't. So, But in terms of his defenses in the past, he's a defense coordinator at Purdue, uh, at, who, where he had some good game plans against Notre Dame. Good scheme against Notre Dame. East Carolina, where he worked with Skip Holtz, I believe. Um, and then has some experience at Florida State where he recruited against Notre Dame 
notably in the Aaron Lynch uh, soap opera with Tony Alford. So he certainly knows a lot about Notre Dame. Um, and I think just what we're asking for for a defense coordinator at this point is just sort of a stop the bleeding type of situation. And I think spending all week on tackling fundamentals is just do that. That's that's. That is absolutely the the priority. I, absolutely. I, I hope the secondary tackles those pylons better that don't move. Because that's what you need to do when you play football is go out there on a Tuesday and hit that pylon <clears throat> as hard as you possibly can because that's going to be the exact same as a moving running back. Why is, it, why is the defense playing mechanically and robotically? Because it's tackling mechanical <laughs> robots in practice. <laughs> I mean, it is just... I mean... Yeah, we'll find out if we can tackle our new coordinator. I'm sure Nick Coleman's going to look like a great tackler this week. It's Greg Hudson's his new coordinator. I mean that that's why that's why there's there's no quick fix. You cannot be as poor as they are fundamentally and expect that to change in a week's time. It's just it's not possible. Look, Drew Tranquil battled an injury during that game. Drew Tranquil started that game making two tackles in space that he hadn't made all year, and then. When there was a turnover and they had to run out there, they suckered Drew Tranquil into a wheel route touchdown. Yeah, it, there's there's issues. There's just issues that what Drew Tranquil did to start that game is what we thought he would do all year, and what Drew Tranquil did on his last play of that game is what we thought would happen all year. Yeah, and it's uh, like Devin Sudsill got uh, got yeah. it put in a bad angle there and missed a huge tackle that turned into a big big touchdown that you know basically won the game for Duke uh, or put them in a position to win the game late. That's what happens when you have young safeties, and I think that's what happens when you have safeties who aren't really great fits to play in space. Um, and that sort of goes back to what we're saying, oh, they're just not good enough at that position, nor are they good enough on the defensive line. That's not going to change. So you tell me the players hated John Tenuta too? <laughs> I think some of them did. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody, yeah. Certainly. But, I mean, yeah, it's that's we, uh, we, we uh, could what, do a whole podcast well, look, on right, that. What I'm yeah, saying I mean, is players. that the relationship be, between Tenuta and the media and Tenuta and his players sure. were completely, yeah, di- yeah. completely different. And that's As fine. was the case with Van Gorder. His relationship with the media and his relationship oh, with uh, his players. Yeah, totally but I mean, different. at least he, I mean, I always thought Van Gorder handled the media just fine. He just didn't want to. He didn't want to. No, yeah. of course he didn't want to, but he. Neither did Tenuta, but he made that real clear. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no question about that. Well, as you might imagine, we have a ton of questions on what happens next on defense. Who plays where? Where the rest of the season is going to go. Uh, so we'll get into all that in segment two of Irish Illustrated Insights. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, burning up the boards. Our first question from Irish Bob. You are Greg Hudson. What is the first thing you say to the team in the first meeting? Nice to meet you. I'm Greg Hudson because he has not had much interaction with the team. (laughs) He probably knows a couple of the seniors that may have sought some advice in some way. He's a defensive analyst that came in in the summer. And I don't think he has had interaction with most of the team. And I think this is a relevant question because of something Pete brought up before how to mitigate this kind of awkward relationship where some new guy comes in, you're one and three, and I said, what happens when Greg Hudson yells at you? I think Pete made a very good point before this. Yeah, I just I would put him in the press box for games, um, and I would let Elston Light and Gilmore be the voices in practice, too. That doesn't mean Greg Hudson needs to not say anything, because I don't think that works. I, you know, if, if I was Greg Hudson, look, I would just hang a freaking lantern on this, say... I know this sucks. Yeah. I know that this is not how we wanted the season to go. 
let's just try to get better a little bit today and see how the rest of the year goes. Like that, like you're playing at Nureim football. I played here. This is a great place to be. But again, like this sucks. Sorry. Let's just, you know, let's just try to get better together. I think Pete needs to write the speech. Yeah. For Greg Hudson. This is pretty good. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I mean, you, you can coach. You don't have to yell. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can be authoritative without being negative with them. And, and, and I mean, the absolute last thing that he could do is come in and be negative and, and be critical. But I mean, I, I, you know, I would, the first thing I would say is from this moment on, you're going to get better under my leadership. I don't know exactly how you do. Well, yeah, I do. You yeah. start with fundamentals and that, I mean, that, that is absolutely first and foremost, what you have to do. You have to provide stability. You have to be a cop. This is where we need, they need Mike Bray to come in. They need a confidence giver right now, a guy that's going to speak optimistically to them and say, okay, you made a mistake there. Here's how we're going to do it. Let's move on to the next thing. I mean, You've got to be a confidence giver right now, and you've got to get them to believe whatever scheme, you know, whatever tweaks they make to the scheme. You've got to get them to believe that that's how they're going to get better. Well, they needed Mike Bray against Duke because he owns Duke, so it's a little late. Yeah, that's why I said on the field after the game, Notre Dame's playing the wrong Duke team. They need to play him in basketball. All right, next up, doublet. Who do you think will be the long-term answer at defensive coordinator? I, you know, I mean, I can't tell you who I think is going to be. We talked about some of the guys that are on the list, and most of those guys are upper echelon coordinators. I will. It, could it be Greg Hudson? I doubt it. Um, but you know, Brian Kelly said it's an eight-game audition, and if they get appreciably better during right. the, those eight games, well, he, I guess he would have a shot. But I wouldn't put Greg Hudson at the top of the or even near the top of the list of coordinators that are out there. He's certainly available, <laughs> but uh, which is not a good sign, I guess, for for a coordinator. But, um, you know, I mean, we threw out some of the names of Randa at LSU, and now he's really available. Um, Partial. Know. I mean, his contract is independent of Les Miles okay. there. So he's, he's still on staff at LSU. Um, but, I mean, Dave Aranda would be number one on my list. Then it would be some mix of Todd Orlando, who's at Houston, Luke Fickle, who's at Ohio State, or Derek Mason, who's currently the head coach at Vanderbilt and has experience as a very, very good DC at Stanford. I think Luke Fickle's an interesting mm-hmm. name, and I, and I think that that of of the guys that you just mentioned, I would list him first as the greatest possibility. I yeah, mo- I think he's the most likely of those four because um, I I think that you're looking at sort of a reverse Tony Alford situation there, where he's plateaued in terms of how high he's going to go at Ohio State. They've had three <laughs> different DCs under Urban Meyer, and Luke Fickle is not one of them um, in terms of the lead guy. Mm-hmm. So I think Fickle is a guy also that would fit the criteria of you always hire the opposite. What do they describe Ohio State's defense as? Basic. Simple. Attacking. Notre Dame's defense was none of those three things, so I think Luke Fickle, uh, also just having Ohio roots where Notre Dame has to be good in recruiting, would be important. Young, younger at least, bright, sharp guy. I mean, we spent very little time around him at the Fiesta Bowl, but he comes off in a good way, in a good light. So Urban Meyer has had three coordinators at Ohio State in the span of going 55-4. and four. They leave He's, for other jobs. Yeah. They turnovers... Capable. Yeah. You get past the turnover yeah. then? Yeah, you can do that. Um, but, I mean, look, Dave, Dave Aranda would still be my number one. 
I if I was the next head coach at LSU, I would keep him, yeah, especially that's, because that's he's there. especially because he's under contract at LSU for two more years at excess of one point three million dollars. And per unless year. they screw this up royally, they're going to get a very good head coach at this point. That is a talent. I mean, yeah, it, it's look Les Miles. We we could probably from the outside remember half of Les Miles' major mistakes that got him fired, and he still went whatever it is, one hundred and fourteen yeah. and thirty four or something. There is so it is so easy to win. I think at I would, LSU, I would and have, he did. He won a ton. No, he did. Yeah, yeah. So that's. Gonna I would be have forced an offensive coordinator change before firing Miles, and I don't know how. Maybe that's interconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he was told to fire his offensive coordinator, right. and he said no. I, you know, I, I don't. I don't have any idea, but. Man, that offense was, and I, you know, I said they don't, they don't have a quarterback. Well, how many years are you going to go without having a quarterback that you can win with? Well, I mean, that's that's the problem down there. I think they were in a situation. It would be similar to what Brian Kelly was in with Van Gorder this year. Imagine at the end of the year, Notre Dame is six and six, and we're talking about how Brian Kelly's on the hot seat. There was a, a failed coup to remove Brian Kelly. And the result of that would be giving Brian Van Gorder a contract extension. Because that's what they did offensively at LSU last year. They gave the OC a new deal. Why? Now, now he took a pay cut from $1.5 million onward down. But that's that's just how tone deaf that was. That, that shows a lack of evolution on the part of the head coach. Brian Kelly, I think, is much better in that department. But he needs to be even better than he is. That so. offense at LSU and the quarterback... Had two untouched touchdowns in excess of 75 yards against Brian Van Gorder's defense, the Music City Bowl. <laughs> Where Leonard, no one touched yeah. anyone. Yes. <laughs> now, Leonard Fournette, I think you have to excuse that yeah. one because I would not want to touch <laughs> I would, one. Yeah, yeah, also, also untouched, but I don't blame him on yes. that one. That's different. All right. Dashing <laughs> Domer. Our NBC repeatedly said during the broadcast that the players for David Cutcliffe were coached to go out and have fun while playing the game. Is that even possible at Notre Dame in this environment? And if not, is that only the coach's fault? Tim, have I ever told you about how much I hate the phrase about go out and have fun? Yes. I understand what I understand. What do you, I don't even know what the question is. All I heard was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it possible that Notre Dame? Uh, it's very difficult. It's 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 very difficult. And the whole idea of of, of the fun really means, I mean, playing with passion, play fast, right? Play I mean, hard, and, enjoy play. enjoy playing hard and physical and fast and all those things but i mean the whole fun crap i can't i that's a pet peeve of mine well you notice that's a pet peeve of mine that brian kelly uses it as something that he's noticing they don't have because it's not any different against duke than it was against michigan state or against texas or against all the other bad teams and average teams that they give up points to hey, look these losses Here's a common denominator. They didn't look like they're having fun. They also didn't look like they were no, coached I, or fundamentally sound or they were playing hard. But it didn't take Duke for me to realize that. So I don't like the thing that all of a sudden it's going to be fun. And they can run around and play fresh. Passion. passion I mean, it's yeah. basically the same thing. Yeah, right? no, that's, that, that's we're, what, using that's word, we're just using saying. words, right. I guess. Yeah, right. Words have no meaning when it comes to these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a lot that's been said in yeah. the last nine Pete, months. Pete, your comments on having fun. Uh, I'm for it, um, but personally, or yeah. Oh. But I mean, I asked Ana Waldo about that after the game, and he's like, "Look, this isn't freaking rec league ball. Yes, like, good for what? him." I don't know. He he was like put off by the whole question. Like, I don't even understand what you're asking because it's so dumb. Like, I think <laughs> at one with each loss, Ana 
put off more by any question yeah. that's asked him if if, if you which is that. fine which is fine yeah yeah, yeah. i mean no last, last week was really one of those and i actually talked to Notre Dame's sports information director about this after the game we're just like what are, what are we going to ask these guys because it was all some combination of like what do you say what do you do next why is it so bad why don't you care about playing football? I mean, those are really the four questions. I, thought, I mean, I really thought that the players were put in a really, really difficult situation when Brian Kelly says every starter's on notice and could lose their job, which yeah, of course they didn't is know an exa- coming into those interviews, right? Which is an exaggeration. And then, okay, now here, represent our team. And it's yeah, and it's also like there was also the why can't you be more like Dexter Williams line of questioning because that put that put. The, the whole roster in a bad spot, including Dexter Williams. Because, right. like, if you're Dexter Williams, you're like, wait a minute. like I was just happy I, I scored a touchdown. I'm the only guy who cares? Like, that can't, that can't be right. Do we, do and, we. like, so we're going to talk to Dexter Williams this week and be like, hey, sophomore running back who doesn't play a whole lot, why can't you lead the who entire gets, team in making who, it more fun? Who was incarcerated a couple yeah. of weeks before <laughs> the start of the season. Yeah, I, forget, I, mean, I, I take it back. We're not going to talk to you. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not getting Dexter Williams Yeah, anytime, sorry, so I was way off on that one. He needs six touchdowns against Syracuse to talk to Dexter Williams. But, <laughs> no, I agree, because there was some awkwardness with people asking Isaac Rochelle about that. Oh, my God. He, I mean, yeah, he's not watching Dexter I, Williams I celebrate. Why, I, he, the players yeah. were put in a really, really awkward, difficult situation after the game. I had somebody say to me, well, you know, you, you complain about not having leaders. Here's their opportunity to lead. That That's an extreme situation uh, where the, where they've been asked to lead. Yeah. Here's Adewale's quote. Sometimes it's a business. We're not playing rec league ball anymore. you got to get guys to have fun, but the only way you can have fun is to be that's successful. I've, I've always hated the expression, uh, well, come on, you're playing a kid's game. There's a little bit more on the <laughs> yeah, line than yeah, that. Yeah. You know what? I go back to what Tony Alford once said about keeping all the running backs happy and keeping them engaged. Tim, this isn't happy camp. Yeah, <laughs> all he wanted was some guys to play hard and play well. <laughs> That's yeah. a great answer. All right, Buffalo Irish won. What defensive players would you like to see get more playing time going forward? And I think we also there's been talk about position changes who might move. I want to answer like Brian Kelly did during the pre- when you asked him oh, yesterday. So no, re- 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 re-ask the question so we can give the live feed. Uh, <laughs> Brian, what defensive? Jay Hayes. Kelly so I badly even, wanted Jay Hayes to on the, on the, the teleconference yesterday, I couldn't even get Jay Hayes' name out of my mouth before he said, yes, he's going to play. Um, and, and that, I mean, that to me, that's one that I would like to see get a little bit more playing time, and obviously he's going to now. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think I think Jonathan Bonner should get more snaps than he does. Um, I mean, if you're going to go ahead and play him inside there where Tillery plays, Tillery can't play every snap. All season, no, nope. uh, uh, but you know they're playing playing so many young guys that I, you know, I, I don't have a long list of okay, he should play. He, oh, okay, I take that back. Dexter Williams <laughs> should absolutely yes. carry the football more if he's eligible to play, which apparently he is. He should absolutely carry the football more. I, yeah, there are some. I think there are some solutions on defense to, to or answers on defense to this question. Jay Hayes is one of those answers. Dalen Hayes is one of those answers. Um, Khalid Kareem might be, 
Dante Vaughn. Dante Vaughn. Yeah. You have to push Dante Vaughn more. Devin Studs still more. Julian Love. Um, what about more Jalen Elliott? Yeah, that was frankly. interesting that he got in. The, yeah, with the base defense to start. Well, I mean, he sl- I mean, he kind of slammed in there on that goal line stand to force the last field goal. That yeah. you know what? No, and he that's sure what, did. He, yeah. You know, I want, well, that's changing subject. Go ahead, stay with it, Pete. Yeah. So I mean, that's it. But offensively. I just I don't see the rotation happening like Tristan Hodge, Dexter Williams, like that. I don't. Chase are not solution. Yeah. I like the Chase, Chase Claypool, Claypool on passing over downs. Over St. Brown. No, over tight ends on passing downs. Okay. I mean, yeah, maybe just, just need to be a four wide. Team. Yeah, four wide team, and he can line up. We can know he is one big catch. He lined up as Kevin a down tight end. Where do you play Kevin Stefferson? You're he already said, playing him. Well, no, I, but yeah. I'm saying he made two great plays the other yeah. day. You need to see him more. Yeah. They made that work a little. Torrey Hunter was playing slot during those catches. I mean, it's just C.J. Sanders can't play every down either. He's small okay. and he has to do all the returning. So Torrey Hunter plays both. I do, love, I do like the idea of, I mean, if you're not going to throw the damn thing to the tight end yeah. and, you're, and you split out, then you might as well put Chase Claypool in there. And his thirty-three yard catch against I know it was you know no it's against Michigan State. Well, I was about to say Nevada. <laughs> no, not but yeah, yeah. I know it was only against, yeah, no. it, it was against, Michigan, it was against State. Michigan State. Was an inline line. They snuck him in there. He lined up as an inline tight end on the right. Caught and it over their best corner. Yeah, it's, then that's a tight end reception. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> their tight ends are good. I'm O'Mullen. We'll go with O'Mullen. How do you expect the players to respond on the field? Does this team have the leaders to use this as motivation to approve? For at least one quarter, and I'm not being sarcastic. It's the same thing as Duke. They will be so fired up against Syracuse, whether they give up a touchdown or not in that quarter. They will be playing so hard. Can it continue? Does it continue if you fall behind 17-14? <clears throat> Look, that Duke game, they started great, went up 14-0, and you could see everything deflate when Duke tied that game up and you knew there was going to be trouble from that moment forward. They will start great, and I don't mean effective. I mean they will start the way Notre Dame fans want to see defenses play, whether they give up a touchdown or not. I think it's just—it's. I mean, it's just ironic that sense of urgency. That was the—that was the phrase all week, and man, they came out with a sense of urgency. Took a fourteen nothing lead, played well defensively. What comes after sense of urgency after you've been hit in the mouth? I mean, I don't know what. I, you, there's got to—you got to have another phrase because it's being a, better, a, a passionate, continuation passionate of passion and fun. A, yeah, being better at football is <laughs> part of it. I mean, yeah. really, when it gets down yeah. to the second and third quarter, is actually in. Who would want to watch second and third quarter? If they can put Duke down in the second and third quarter, it's over. But they couldn't. Duke took over the game. I, I would be it, shocked to see it again, but you will see a engaged defense. Is that accurate to say? You think? I, yeah, I would think so. And I am as interested to see how the players offensively yeah. respond to Brian Kelly this week. Um, assuming that he's with the offense, which I, I think we can all safely assume, like he doesn't need to be in the defensive meetings. He can say, "Play Jay Hayes more." That's fine, um, but he's going to be more with the offense because he's an offensive coach. I I really am curious to see how the players respond to their head coach moving forward because uh, his commentary after the game on Saturday, talking about just you know, basically calling out the passion of the entire roster, other than Dexter Williams, and the performance of the entire roster, other than Dexter Williams and Scott Daly. Was was, he was loves, a mistake. He loves long I mean, it's just it's just a mistake to do that. Yeah, I, I think I, he's already gone to that whip one too many times, and that was that was the last time you can go to it. You should have gone to it at all, but now it's just forget it. Like the players are not going to respond. I don't to that. see what the benefits are. And again, this is he's an emotional guy, and and he and he went off, and I understand those emotions completely. <laughs> uh, but it's not it it's counterproductive. It's it's not beneficial. I will say. I bet Deshaun Kaiser plays a lot better, but for whatever reason, Deshaun Kaiser was kind of in—he was in a fog by the end of the game. 
he was just kind of he had a bad thought. ending to the game. It was it was shocking how that last drive ended. It was I mean I, I know there was some well he, I mean he I guess he took the sack to put them in that bad position before the interception. He didn't need to take that sack, but it, he did not respond the way we see Deshaun Kaiser at the end of the game. So they need to score. I know they haven't. You could yeah. you could see pressure on yeah. him in a way that we have not seen. Yeah. It, it, it was it was strange to it, see the, that. The, the original question here was though, does this so. team have the leaders to use this as motivation to improve? This is a great question because last year we talked about this how how many good leaders they had and they did have really good leaders. But it's so easy to lead when you're six or when you're. Four and one, you're lost to Clemson. Was in a monsoon, and you are galvanized yeah. by a comeback. And then you're ten and one. It is not hard to lead that team. They had better leaders last year, probably. That was not a hard team to lead. It was. They had so many they other guys have to lead. Emotional leaders. Right. I think they have leaders, but they're not necessarily outspoken emotional leaders. They lack. Uh, they lack a Sheldon Day on the defensive line to whip. Jerron Jones and Jerry Tillery into shape. Right. Um, I think that linebacker... Well, not that guy because that's not what he does. That's personality. Um, I think that they're fine at linebacker. I think they have they're self-motivated so much guys there. there. Yeah. Uh, and in the secondary, they just don't... There's just not a lot right. happening there. Well, Tranquil's kind of a, a very good leader, but he's his body... I mean, he's just not the same player to lead. Yeah. It's hard yeah. when he says when you need your best... When the ball is yeah. snapped... He has to be closer to the line of scrimmage. Well, that might <laughs> be happening running, soon. Or at least running forward. Yeah, could be happening soon. Uh, it could be. That would be. That would definitely be a position change. And by the way, Jonathan Bonner has changed positions. Yeah. He was an end in the spring. The last thing Brian Van Gorder said to us at the end of the spring was, "I don't want to move him inside," but he really had no choice. And I think, I mean, he. Do you realize that he was in the game when they held at the goal line and forced the game winning yeah, field plays, goal? He, he plays was a lot in the now. game. Yeah. yeah, he plays a lot now, uh, and I, I like what I'm seeing from him. You know, I want to go back to and because this is going to be this is going to be talked about a lot. This is more of a uh, talking on both sides of our mouths. You guys are right that Brian Kelly going <laughs> to that is going to be counterproductive. That doesn't mean we all don't agree, and fans don't agree that Notre Dame's players need to be tougher, play That's better. Why and I they say it's all not be. one thing; it is right. a combination of these things. But if you're going to protect coaches and you're going to protect everything post game and you're going to bald face lie, I don't mind it. But then lie about that. Just say all our players need to play better. Don't say Dexter Williams is the only guy with any passion. I mean, wow. you know, we, 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 people agree, you can agree, but maybe the, the head coach of a one and three team doesn't say that. Maybe the head coach of a three and one team that found a way to come back and beat Duke and Michigan State can say, this isn't good enough, man. I'm putting everybody, including the quarterback, on blast. They got to get better. If That's fine. Three, if you're three and one, you can do it. If you're one and three, it's tough. That's what Lou Holtz would do. That's what Lou Holtz did do. That's a long time ago. I know it's a different time. It's a different time. It's still relevant. It's relevant. Indy 14. Do you think Kelly was serious in his comments about the possibility of playing Brandon Wimbush this year? Or, or was he just getting Kaiser's attention? Uh, no, I don't think he's serious. I think it would be professional malpractice to play him. Uh, and I think that... that does, that. But I also don't think it gets Deshaun Kaiser's attention at all. No. I mean, so you're telling me Deshaun Kaiser has to play better. Okay. But then, what did he say about Malik Zayer, the guy? He, th- I mean, oh boy, that's he, why I he asked about Wimbush. He at pulled that a point. Dave Chris on Malik Zayer. Yeah, he did. I mean, he said like, just forget it. We're not going to see that again. I mean, that, that Look, Malik Zayer is out. If Brian Van Gorder wasn't fired, the questions yesterday would have centered around what is going with your Malik Zayer comments yesterday. I want you to clarify. Like yeah. that became a non-issue. But boy, that was a, it was yeah. a totally unnecessary one too. So, I mean, he made a mistake. Whatever. So the answer to both parts of his question are no. 
Yeah, I agree with you. There's no, there's, if Kaiser gets hurt, he Kaiser might be sick of Ka- Kaiser, by his standards, played poorly. He was going to respond regardless. Right. What, what if Kaiser gets hurt? What do you think happens? I still don't think Wimbush plays. Too. I agree. He, he was that was just frustration. He's not going to play Wimbush unless both those guys are hurt. I would I would hope that would be true. Vic Irish won. What's your opinion of Coach Longo? I look out at the linemen, see Isaac Rochelle, for example, and I don't see appreciable size and bulk in their physique over the years. I, I disagree with that as it relates to Rochelle. Yeah, he's. I, I disagree with that. Just on Rochelle, on Walu. Oh yeah, Sheldon Day, Jalen Smith, uh, Romeo Okwara. I mean, they've got they get bigger and stronger and more explosive as their careers go on. But you got to want it, you know. If you you Paul Longo can only do so much if if you're not a workout junkie, if you're not taking care of your body. I mean, look, the guys. Like, Dalen Hayes would be a great example, and I talked to Paul Longo about this in the offseason, on media day. Dalen Hayes looks like a million bucks compared to how he showed up. And I and Paul Longo's like, that's not on me. Like, we worked out, and we did all that stuff, but that is a kid who who figured out, I need to eat a lot better, and I need to take it upon myself. I need to make sure football is important to me, and that's all diet. He... Paul Longo, this is his quote, you can now outwork a bad diet. And I think there are a bunch of players, because look, look, yeah. they're, look, they're college athletes. They're they're right. in college. Yeah. They don't eat great all the time. Um, but you, Longo's quote, you cannot work, outwork a bad diet is absolutely true. And that is 100% on the player. I don't care about nutrition. I don't care about Longo. If you want it. Paul Longo is going to make you into a really explosive, good-looking football player. And if it, well, we're kind of we're, we're being pretty hard on Vic Irish one here. No, it's a fine question. But, but let, let me just yeah. throw this in. I mean, if you think that Brian Kelly, if you, I mean, there are a lot of people who say, well, he's not going to fire Van Gorder because he goes back. You know, he's got history with him. Paul Longo is his best friend. Is that yes? I think it's he is his. Statement. He is his best friend. I would so say there will not be a well, change. He's his best friend, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's they've been. Even if they weren't best friends, he trusts Longo professionally. Absolutely. Where he's his best. Families are completely yeah. intertwined and what have you. I also think he does a good job. I, no, I no, do, I do yeah. too. That's why we all shot yeah. it down. I, I, think I, I do a, too. I think it's a Stanford-related question. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, if you yeah. want to talk about injuries and do the... Yeah, I mean, that, that's all fair. And I think Notre Dame's trying to do that with you know sports science and all that stuff. But that's not going to happen overnight. And I think our last question is from Orange ND. Do you think the firing of Brandon Van, or Brian Van Gorder was the result of inadequate, inconsistent, poor tackling defense finally affecting the performance of Kelly's offense? I, Part of it. Yeah, I think it's a result of affecting Kelly's legacy at Notre Dame, and he didn't want to continue. Assuming he made, and, and if he didn't make the change, it's Jack Swarbrick wanting Brian Kelly to continue on, and he had to make the I mean, look, if you, if you kept Brian Van Gorder, you were headed for 4-8. Five and, five and seven at best, right? Uh, you know, I don't know what the Why would number you beat would Navy? be. Why would you beat Navy? Yeah. Yeah. Why in the Man, world would you beat Navy? Come such a long way in one week from this discussion. Are they more likely to go seven and five or nine and three? And I always said nine and three. And what did we say in the press box? Is it six and six? Is that? Yeah. yeah. 
Every Drop seven games. What I say, Pete? Every <laughs> seven days, a new our season. view changes. Except for <laughs> Dexter Williams days. has always been good. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> I am sticking with that until he fumbles away the game next week. I, 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 this question goes back to my question to Brian Kelly after the Michigan State game that he did not like, and it's basically, does Deshaun Kaiser have to carry the team? The answer is yes. I understand why a coach would not want to say that. He shouldn't say that. But that's how it is. Their, <laughs> off, their offense, when you say... This offense has a chance to score 40 points every day game. What you mean is this offense needs to score 40 points every game. Right. And that's a that's a real problem. I, I, do, I mean, right now Deshaun Kaiser is your second leading rusher. Dexter Williams needs to be your second leading rusher. And Kaiser needs to be your third. He's not going to make it through the season the way he looked after the game the other day. He had 11 carries again. I mean, he's getting, you know, stayed up all night on Tuesday yeah. to tend to academics and and – he needs to be their third leading rusher behind Adams and Williams. That's a great point. It's probably going to start this week because you know what? You're going to need some tough runs on Deshaun Kaiser against at NC State because that game is coming down to the final minute, everyone. And then Stanford is always bludgeoned to Notre Dame's quarterbacks. Whether they win or lose, Notre Dame's quarterbacks get murdered. They, they've in knocked Stanford two game. out of the game in the last five years. And they scared one to not going back in another yes. one. And as far as this so. week as far as this week's game, the over under is going to be what, like ninety five? <laughs> I would bet the over on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, we'll get into obviously Syracuse a lot more in the week, but for a team that they're fourth nationally in plays run per game and they're top six in completions, attempts and passing yardage. So what does that tell you statistically? What needs to happen for you to play well? Your secondary needs to tackle extremely well. And that's just something Notre Dame's secondary has not done really all year. It's 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 alarming. I mean, right now, the line of Vegas Insider, Notre Dame open is a 14-point favorite. That's Holy down to 12.5. There is no over-under available yet, but that has got to be in the 80s. There's a formula coming. Like, okay. it, no, okay. I, I do think it will be in the 80s. You're seeing a lot of Pac-10, uh, Pac, old-timer, yeah. Pac-12 <laughs> games uh, with over-unders that are into the into the 80s. Yeah, this, this will be one of them. Uh, so we will talk about all that more on Thursday, our next Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. We've got access to Brian Kelly on Tuesday, as per usual, player interviews Wednesday, so there'll be a lot of reaction to how Greg Hudson is fitting in, how the defense might look, how the team is responding to Brian Kelly, and exactly what the motivation is moving forward. So, all that coming Thursday. Irish Illustrated Insider, I'm Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. Thanks for listening.